And welcome to Gleaming in the Geek. Roster is a changing edition. I'm John Bonus. Join today with me, Aaron Gleaming of the Athletic. We have some roster moves this week. Yeah, uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on Plus off they, uh, the field. Not to mention, you know, yeah, they keep playing two, games. Taking two out of three out of the Padres, as nice. Rocco Belli is fond of saying. We do this s every day. <laughs> That's uh, right. Yep. They keep playing. The, the show goes on, no matter what <laughs> that is, madness is going on, injury wise, roster wise. That is correct. Uh, every game, <laughs> you know, they lose a tough one to San Diego, and all the post game questions are, "How will you guys rebound from this?" And did you go in and give a rah rah speech? And we we got to play again tomorrow morning, tomorrow <laughs> afternoon. Like it's a it's the same thing. Well, and then we also had the. Cleveland series to talk about since last Friday. Yes. And <laughs> the showdown in the AL Central. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, that's the thing about Cleveland and Chicago, for that matter. They both take two out of three from the Twins. Right. Now the Twins were on the road and everything. but And then they just both immediately go back to being terrible. <laughs> like Cleveland's losing to Detroit, who are now in second place. Right. The White Sox got walked off on a suicide squeeze by the Royals, I saw. And they're like back on pace for 120 losses or whatever. <laughs> like this division, I looked this up last night. I'll read it to you. Not that people have any doubt that the AL Central stinks, but <laughs> this will uh, maybe contextualize it, it a little like, bit. Looks like the White Sox are on pace for 108 losses. <laughs> yeah, that's it, huh? Uh, here are the winning percentages of the AL Central teams in games not against their own, their own division. Okay. Okay, so this is like yes. obviously this is within the division, of, right? I don't. It's gonna be fifty-fifty, right. This, right? this is like some Highland Park math for y'all right. that I'm bringing to you, but it's gonna be a five hundred record uh, if you add it all right. up. So right. that you know, it waters down because of the way baseball works and how you look at above and below five hundred. The fact that they're playing a ton of games against each other and it's always gonna come out in the wash, it right. kind of waters down how bad they are because it makes the records less extreme right. overall. But if you look, so here are the current winning percentages, and now the number of games played here vary. Like Detroit has barely played anybody but the AL East and all this stuff. But the twins are exactly five hundred outside okay. of the division. So and you say, Well, that's not very good. Uh, the Guardians have the second best record in the uh, AL Central outside of the division with a 464 winning percentage, which I'm going to do some quick calculations here. 464 would be. 464, do you want to guess? 464 is a. Uh, this is a Carlton math major. 47 plus 46. Uh, 53, 73. 75. Yeah. yeah. Take back that degree from this man. I feel pretty good about getting yeah. that 73. Sure, fine. <laughs> I had to use a calculator. Uh, the Tigers are in, have the third best outside the division okay. record, 433, Oof. which now you're at a 90 loss pace okay. for sure. Yeah, right. Over 90 losses. Uh, the White Sox, 310 uh, outside. <laughs> yeah. the, just to get a sense, uh, 310 uh, over 162 games, that's 50 and 112. Yeah, that's right. their pace outside division. And can I tell you something? They're not the worst. The Royals, <laughs> yeah. 286 winning percentage. Uh, they've won 28.6% of their games outside of the division. That is a 46-win pace. And just in case people have forgotten, Major League Baseball teams will play 162 <laughs> games generally. 46-win right, yeah. pace. low replacement level. 
Yeah, that's below replacement. Bla- replacement level is roughly 50 to 55 like wins, right, so, depending so, on the so, system. So, yeah. yeah, so that's what we're dealing with in the division, and it hides a lot of flaws. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this is why John likes to hang out with me in general, because <laughs> right. he looks better. I like so good, right? Yeah. yeah. They say, who's this skinny guy? That's <laughs> John Bonus. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's strange because – and we, actually, we ran into this a little bit last year before the Twins just completely collapsed with the all the injuries and everything, which is you watched them and you went, this bullpen's a mess, and right. the starting pitching is sometimes good and sometimes Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy and, you right. know, four and fly, yep. and the lineup is inconsistent <laughs> and, you know, seems like probably an 82 to 85 win team, and yet yep. you look and they were in first place for 100 and whatever days because right. the division's so bad and part of you wants to go, well, are we being overly critical about a first place team? Right. And then part of you, or part of me at least, wants to go, well, what does a first place team mean? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I mean that, that is that happened to this week, right? Yes. Where Correa was talking about, you know, we, I'm not hitting. The team isn't hitting. Don't say the word confidence. And, John. And, we're not and, allowed to say and that. We're, and uh, after the Patreon, Patreon <laughs> subscribers will know what we're talking. About. Uh, but we're somehow still in first right. place. Like, like you know, the, this guy, this it absolutely felt like the sky was falling. By uh, and then you look up at the end of, uh, three and, and a half Tuesday, games. Yeah, up Tuesday night it felt like this team was never gonna yeah. wasn't gonna win sixty games the entire year. Right, and then you're like, oh yeah, they are in first place by two two and a half games. So it's a, it's, <laughs> right. a, it's a really strange yeah. now for the second year in a row. And look, we in the early days of when we started blogging, and even eh, not quite when we started podcasting because we chose the inopportune time of right when they started mm-hmm. to collapse as an organization right to when we start podcasting but the al central has been like this generally speaking for a very like basically the entire existence of the al central right. certainly since the twins got good again uh in 2002 the early 2000s, 2001 right yeah. and there were many years when the twins would win 88 games 91 yeah. games with the unbalanced schedule which is really equivalent to like probably 84 games or 87 games or whatever and they'd win the division by six games and you'd go were we too critical of this team for the last six months because they won or were we not critical enough because the notion of first place team and yeah it's it's a weird thing to kind of hang over because like you said they're not playing particularly well Uh, and it might not matter it's going to be really difficult for even a decent team not to win this division. Like, you'll really right, have to yes. go out of your way. <laughs> right, and the yeah. Twins did that right. last year. Yeah. The Twins went out of their way to not win uh, the AL Central. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's true. Uh, maybe that sounds like I'm taking something away from Cleveland. By the end of the year, Cleveland was a solid team. Don't get me sure. wrong. But, but Cleveland that point, that is not nearly at the level they were last year, right now at least. That point, though, is one of the things that we were talking about as we go to games, as we you know, talk to people there. <laughs> at By the end of the year, you want to be a good team. Well, that's there, true, too. You got that luxury in the AL Central. You don't have to – you can't you – know, you're not going to be out of this race in May in the AL that's Central. True. You know what I mean? And so that – you know, while we are going to be probably talking today about the struggles that the offense has mm-hmm. and the problems that, that this team is experiencing that need to get fixed, it does make it a little more compelling for the full six months to sort of gauge – how, what the team is like this week as opposed to what the team is like this year, right? right? That, that that I know that how the team is for the whole year is just a combination of how they were for all those weeks or something. No, but, but, a, but, but you want a team going into September and October, especially for this franchise. I mean, a lot of right? – first of all, in recent years, the Twins have gotten to the playoffs 
limped their way into the playoffs a lot of time right. where they're without Buxton or right. they're without Donaldson or they're without, you know, or Morneau or Maurer right, or, yeah, right, right. or the year that Randy Dobnik had a started game at Yankee Stadium. Or Liriano. Everyone, right. <laughs> yeah, so right. that's one way to look at it is right. like, you know, I guess you'd have to be very preventative to stop some of that stuff sure. from happening. Absolutely. But the idea is right. basically, oh, you're in the playoffs and you're the number two seed or three seed or whatever it is, and you won, let's say, 95 games, but if you're down three of your five best players, what are you actually? And the flip side to that is maybe you're in the playoffs and you only won 85 games, and the only scenario that you got into the playoffs is because you were in the biggest horse-ass division in in all of baseball. But if if you added some young guys or some trade deadline pieces or everyone's healthier than the other teams – you can be a more formidable well, and the fact that your left fielder right now is hitting 173 or whatever well, the hell it is, yeah. that isn't necessarily what your left fielder is going to be hitting in, in September. Because yeah. it might not be – It might a left fielder might have gotten better, and B, you might have a different left fielder. Right, and I think <laughs> right. especially with right. the Twins, which we're going to talk about some of their young guys, but, I mean, especially with the Twins that you have guys like Kirilov who are coming back. You have guys like Royce Lewis and Ed Julian and Matt Walner mm-hmm. who are going to be more in the mix here as the months come. It's going to change a lot. And this is true. I mean, like I'm not saying baseball is unique in that sense. I mean, every sport, you know, the 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 version of a team that you see in the postseason doesn't just automatically match their regular season sure, record. Right. Like, A, there are some teams that are just better built for the postseason than the regular season and vice versa. There are some teams that are better built for specific playoff matchups with other teams where they just match up super well and they can right. defeat them. But I think especially with baseball, because it's such a long haul and because the numbers more yeah. so than any other and sport. And it's a daily thing. You right. know, it changes day to day. Do every day. day. Right. Uh, that there's the, I think there's often the biggest gap between – what you look at as having been done in the regular season, what their record said they were, right. what their individual, you know, where the pitching staff rank, where the lineup rank and all that, and the actual version that comes out on the field for game one of a playoff series yeah. can be vastly different. Now, it's on the Twins to actually right. turn that into a positive. Uh, it doesn't do you any good if you're just mediocre in the regular season and you're mediocre in the playoffs. You don't get, like, some brand new set of uh, odds or something like that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's an be- interesting – Looming over all evaluations, particularly April and May. Yeah. When you're like, well, and the, we the bullpen take, looked bad, but how many of these guys are even going to be in the bullpen? You know, right. that type of thing. We tend to take a look at things in sort of a sabermetric perspective, which is often a very high-level perspective on you this do, stuff. You do, you right? right. Not me. I'm an old schooler <laughs> yes, myself. Yeah, right. uh, except when it comes to confidence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this kind of break drives home the journey itself. The day-to-day journey is... Is a compelling drama for right. 162 games, and I can also say this: you know, we're going to be talking, and we often spend time talking every episode we talk about about the flaws that we see in this team, right? And it's important to—I like talking about those flaws, but that doesn't mean those flaws are inevitable. Okay, that 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 that, that is always going to be flaw from there on. You well, can do something true. about that. In fact, in particular. You know, when we're talking about the Twins hitting, there seems to be a lot of different ways it could go. There's going to be some hope based on some of the people that we're seeing, you know, sitting down at what they're doing in St. Paul, et cetera. Now, I would also say, you know, before Candy cut that to it, you know, I was say, also, the th- stuff that's going really well isn't well, right. necessarily going other... to go really well the whole, the whole time either. The fact that the starting pitching seems to be absolutely clicking. Well, you, we are at the point now where we've started to run out of arms. Right. So we should maybe start with that topic. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> well, a couple things. So the Padres were in town, obviously, and the Twins bounced back pretty nicely and won two out of three right. against uh, 
a mediocre for now Padres team, but I look at that lineup and even <laughs> some of the pitchers that they I have, and I, I certainly would not want to face them in a five or seven game nope. series. Although in talking to some of their beat writers, almost all of the same criticisms and worries right, yeah, right. that people have about the Twins, especially with the lineup, which is right. how can they have all these names and individual performers, and yet they're scoring two runs or three right. runs yes. almost every game. It's a lot of the same complaints that, that Padres fans are getting. They happen to be in a tougher division, so there's less margin for error for them. But, right. um, you know, we after every game, you talk to the starting pitcher, and it's like they comment. It was like, yeah, I, you know, Bailey Ober was like, I wasn't at my best, but I am kind of proud of myself getting through that gauntlet that is that lineup. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that. I mean, that's true. But that's an example of what we're talking about, which they're, is if they're you also, just... They're also 13th in the NL in uh, runs per game. Right. But that's <laughs> kind of what we're right, talking right, about right, on yeah. a smaller scale, which is the the stats that have been accumulated by those Padres hitters now and as a team now and their record right now right. is in no way going to be representative of you know the challenge they're going to present to a team in the playoffs right. but they got to get to the right effing playoffs first <laughs> right. and that's where the al central gives you a little bit of a, a, a head breather, start yeah, or a, yeah, breather. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple other things before we get to um well you mentioned well it's it's uh it's game i would say fun at the ballpark not that it wasn't but the weather's <laughs> a little nicer yeah the crowds are getting bigger. bigger yeah they expect some very big crowds Relatively speaking, for the the Cub series, Cubs series, I suppose coming so, up, right? Uh, the games, because of the style of team this now is, which they love it to not be this style completely. I mean, they intentionally did half of this style, which is to get good starting pitching, right, and keep scores low for the other team, right? They would, they haven't chosen to keep their scores <laughs> low. It's just right. the lineup right. is is struggling, but the games are a lot more suspenseful right. when you've got those two things in place. So yeah, look. Right. Uh, after yesterday's game, because we were talking about some of the usage of the bullpen and, you know, if they would have had a long man for this stretch, right. they would have gone unused for a week or two or whatever, which is why they sent down Winder because they just couldn't find him regular usage. And Doe was like, yeah, it's been like 12 games since they've had anything resembling a blowout. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, you plan for some blowouts. And so when they don't come, <laughs> yes. the last spot in the bullpen kind of gets weird. But just from Somebody a, you've got Josh Winder going down. Just right. to, yeah, but yeah. but just from a you know fan enjoyment standpoint or drama standpoint or how tense you want these games to be like these games are they constantly have the feel because the starting pitching has been so good because the lineup has been so inconsistent and poor overall and because the bullpen despite being pretty good has some definite worry spots. Sure. There's been very few pitches this season. That seem like meaningless pitches. <laughs> right, Do you know yes. what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying they're all the right. highest leverage, right. but there's been a lot of medium and high leverage yeah. uh, pitches thrown, and not a lot of low leverage. It, you know, past the sixth inning or something like that, pitches thrown. And it's an interesting, like, f like just vibe. My heart. It's probably not good for my heart. <laughs> now, also eating Chinese food every night is also not good for my heart. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Right, but yes. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a good time to be at the ballpark. Before we're going to talk three big topics. Yeah. I won't even say him. We'll get into it. But before that, speaking of being at the ballpark, uh, yeah. uh, we'll talk about our first sponsors here. But they they came out with uh, our, our pal Soda Stick, Soda like Minnesota, right? Uh, came out with the uh, Lando Rakes yes. T-shirt uh, to, you know, the Twins' new uh, Homer celebration. That's it's right. a playoff yep. that. Yep. And 
they're working on a the land of uh, rakes fishing vest. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're working they, on. So stick is not giving a land of rakes fishing vest. Just FYI, yeah, they have just that, a shirt. It turns out they've had land of rakes shirts for a while, and they've got a new color that's coming out, okay. and they they sold out of them. Uh, but they've got a new batch coming in literally today. Okay, today they've got the land of rakes, and they're working on a new uh, Buxton Buck. Yeah, the uh, off yes. the trucker. Yeah, uh, the buck truck thing. We've got a little T-shirt of what the design might look yeah, like. Yeah, I'm looking at it right like now. It. I like it. Yeah, and then they just have all the, all the normal good stuff that they have. Not just baseball, but yes. all Minnesota sports. Yes. Uh, SodaStickCo.com, or just Google Soda Stick, and yeah. you can get right to it. The fact that they already ran out of the land of rakes tells you, you know, you're gonna want to get in. Yeah, there. you're gonna want to get your name in there. And now. if you use the promo code Gleeman, Gleeman at checkout. You get 15%, 15% off. off any order, whether it's new stuff, whether it's old stuff, whether it's restocks or what. So, sodastickco.com. We also wanted to talk about HelloFresh. I saw you cook something HelloFresh the other day. I yes, think. I did. Uh, HelloFresh. Here's how HelloFresh works. It's a meal kit. It's America's number one meal kit. Yes. They tell me. Uh, <laughs> you go on their website, and they have tons, uh, a big menu each week that always changes every week. Right. And not only are there a lot of options, but there are like... You know, There's vegetarian like, options, yes, right? Family options for kids who are a little pickier. Fit options, yes. yeah, <laughs> right. Heavy yeah, right. meat eater option yeah, with right. you know burgers right. and steaks and stuff. You can basically handpick your menu in advance right. every week, or you can just choose a default and have it go every week. Right. Uh, they send you a box, a box that has everything packaged perfectly. Whether it's you know dry ice, whether it's right. pre-portioned vegetables, whether it's what and it's broken down within that box. There's different little box, different little bags. So you just grab yes. the bag, and this is the this is the burger bag. Right you know, now, you get everything. You've there's got no the, shopping you get, required. Right. You've got the the stuff that you're going to use to make the sauce for the burger, yep. and you've got the bun, and you've got the condiments, and everything. It's like you is have right your own sous chef. It. They did all <laughs> the mise en place exactly before you right. got yeah, there. That's a good point. Can you tell I watch a lot of Top Chef? Uh, <laughs> and for doofuses like me, or even for people who actually know what they're doing in the kitchen, like yeah. John and, and Chrissy, they have a recipe, but it's really step-by-step instructions right. with pictures, right. which is yes. very helpful right. for yes. someone like me, right. where they say, uh, slice some ginger, and I go, what is ginger? But there's a picture <laughs> of it. It really helps. Yes. Uh, so yeah, John uh, cooks up HelloFresh all the time, right. and yeah. it's it's really good Fantastic. and very Instagrammable or Twitterable. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, John yeah, really sends all like these pictures of pork chops and people <laughs> are drooling over them. Uh, so our listeners can get a special deal at HelloFresh. You go to hellofresh.com slash Gleeman16, you know, the number 16, uh, and use the code Gleeman16. And the reason it's 16 is you get 16 free meals plus free shipping. So that's hellofresh.com slash Gleeman16. Uh, and then use the promo code Gleeman16. Um, America's number one meal kit, and you can uh, start cooking at home too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about Tyler to, Malley you, first? I think we should. I think we should probably go in reverse chronological order here. Yeah. Let's start with Tyler, Tyler Malley, Malley first, first, and then we'll yeah. get to the the roster moves and hitting yeah, right. changes and all that. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so Tyler Malley is uh, done for the year, yeah. and possibly much or all of next year, likely done as a twin although that's not necessarily ruled out we can get to that in a second i asked paul yeah. about that yesterday uh we talked to baldelli we talked to falvey we talked to tyler malley yesterday uh just to get a sense of the situation the basic version is well we can go back further but they acquired malley on uh, august 2nd last year at the deadline they gave up three good prospects for him 
which we can talk about those guys in a second too. The idea was he's going to be, uh, you know, your number gonna, two starter, frontline starter. He's going to be the leading this team into the postseason yeah, in 2022. They, the plan for last year was he's going to join Sonny Gray right. and Joe Ryan atop this rotation. Right. Right. Not dissimilar to their plan for Pablo Lopez this time around, right. yes. except that seems to be going better. Uh, <laughs> instead, now, and he had been on the IL with the Reds within the month before the deadline with shoulder problems. But had come back and made either two or three starts and looked pretty good. And the Twins had exchanged medical information with all them and all that. They make a big trade for him. They pay, you know, not a crazy price to get him. But I think it was not a discount price, I would say. You know, I think it was a – They stepped up and paid the freight. Yeah. And he made a couple of starts. Looked pretty decent. Very easy to see what they saw in him and why they tried to get him. And then he left the start. With uh, he was throwing you know eighty five miles an hour with what they called fatigue at the time. Then he takes a few and he claims each time, which this will be a pattern as we describe this. But he claimed afterward, I feel fine. I don't really know what was going on, but I'm fine. He rests a little bit. He comes back. He makes one more start and he lasts what two innings, I think, in that start. Right. Once again, velocity drops from ninety three, ninety four to eighty seven. Comes out. They place him on the IL with you know shoulder fatigue, shoulder strain, whatever it is. That's it for him last season. Right. Um, then he spends the offseason really trying to work on that shoulder. And yeah, it's not actually totally clear that he did. I mean, he. Wh- that's literally all he did offseason. He uh, went to uh, driveline to work on his shoulder. No, no, the driveline, he wasn't working on the shoulder. That was the point. He John, was working I talked to him yesterday I, about it. No, he t- in spring training, he claimed he did not go to driveline to work on the shoulder. No. He t- they're not a medical facility. I'm right, saying I he know. threw throughout the offseason to build up strength in oh, his shoulder. Okay, right. He went to drive one to try to tweak, tweak his slider. Right, okay. But my point is he didn't show up to spring training having not thrown like he did the year before. Sure, sure absolutely. He yes. spent the entire yes. offseason trying to build up his shoulder. Okay. That was the entire goal. The new trainer, Nick Paparesta. <laughs> apparently it worked. <laughs> I mean, it did work. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. His shoulder was not a problem. I agree. At any point yeah. during spring training. <laughs> Uh, during the early part of the season, which is maybe what makes this all the more frustrating, which is he looked good in mm-hmm. spring training. The velocity, which I personally obsessed about, yes. was solid. You know, there were a few throws or a few innings where it would drop a few miles an hour, but A, that's common for many pitchers, and B, Maui specifically is someone in a lot of starts who will start out at 92 and kind of build to 93, 94, sometimes 95. Uh, had a good spring with that tweak slider and good velocity and was fully healthy and started the season pitching pretty well. Uh, three-something ERA through you know a handful of starts and good velocity and all that. And then all of a sudden, very similar sight, which is, uh, you know, the what was it, the fourth inning? His last start a week ago or whatever yeah, it, it was. right. Velocity dropped from, you know, 93, 94 to 90 and yep. then 89 and then back up to 92 and then 90. And he finished the inning. He struck out the last the last pitch he threw struck out a batter. Yeah. It was 90. Right. A 90 yeah. mile an hour fastball struck yeah. someone out. Got back to the dugout. Didn't come back out. And again, afterward said, well, I don't even think I'm going to get an MRI. I'm fine. But this time it wasn't the shoulder. It, it was, was the, the elbow. elbow. Right. Which is... Or a forearm strain. Is that what yeah. they were? Were they calling it a forearm strain at that point? No. They like were... It, uh, they were saying it's the elbow? They were... Well, not <laughs> even. They were saying it was... They were more saying it was, hey, it was this part of the arm. And the good <laughs> news is that's not typically where an elbow ligament damages and all that stuff. And Mally, of course, 
has a tremendous poker face, and I've yet yet to hear him. He's been hurt now three times in six months with the Twins, whatever. Right. But I've yet to hear him say I'm hurt, other than yesterday when it was announced he's going to have Tommy right. John surgery, and so. It put the Twins, I think, in somewhat of a difficult spot just because how can you rely on what a – you can only go off what a player is telling you about their health. Right, right. You can't read minds, obviously. Now, you can put them through an MRI and all that. But I think there's a lot more gray area with a lot more pitchers, especially veteran pitchers. Um, there are guys who are great pitchers. There are guys, other guys in that clubhouse right. who are top pitchers at their peak right now who have – you know. Uh, partial tearing or just wear and tear on a ligament or whatever. Uh, and so the idea that we'll just put him through an MRI and you'll see if it's torn or not, it's not like a something that happens on one pitch generally. Sure. Now, when you do tear a ligament, the UCL, ulnar collateral ligament, which is the Tommy John surgery elbow ligament, it's generally because you've kind of been heading that way for a while. I think of it kind of like a worn down tire right. is yeah, more yeah, likely than to probably. pop, yeah, yeah. sort of. Got it. Yeah. Um, now, once in a while, you just you just drive over a nail <laughs> and your tire pops. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, right. But that's generally not how – That would be maybe if you fell on it weird or something like that. Yeah, right? or <laughs> right. whatever. Right. Uh, or you, know, you threw 135 pitches in an outing right. or something like yes, that. You just right. put undue stress on it. But they – for the last week, basically, he got multiple opinions from uh, you know team doctors, outside the team doctors, specialists, all that stuff, and presented with the options were, A, you could get a uh, PRP injection, um, platelet-rich yeah, plasma right. injection in your elbow, rest and rehab for however many weeks or months right. it would be, and then kind of make one Probably go at it. at least a 60-day thing, because he's around the 60-day IL. Well, right. right. It, yeah, it right. wouldn't be till uh, that would have been early July right. at the absolute right. earliest. Um, and then try to do this thing again. But most likely, and some pitchers, I remember Masahiro Tanaka, who killed the Twins right. uh, yeah. while he was with the Yankees, had you know great season with the Yankees. He had a partially torn UCLA, 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 <laughs> UCL the entire time, uh, and he was fine. I mean, that is possible. But the most likely scenario, unfortunately, is you rest, you rehab, you take two, three months, you come back, you make a start or two, and you're right back where right. you started, except you've lost that time. Right. And then you – so the other option, which is the option that he chose, right. was let's get it cleaned up now. Let's get the surgery now. Let's – you know, go under the knife. You're done for this season. You're an impending free agent, which complicates right. the situation. Yeah. Which means, you know, the I guess the motivations for the two sides are much different. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the twins they're not going to like tell a guy who has a torn at UCL. UC. Why do I keep saying UCL? I don't know. Uh, they're torn ligament. away from the Pac-10. Yeah, <laughs> a torn UCLA is like Bill Walton on, when he was on Shrooms. That's what people called him. Uh, they're not going to say to him. Hey, we only have you for the next three months. We just need you to keep pitching, right. obviously. But the motivations are a little different. But he opted for just the standard surgery. It sounds like uh, the Reds doctor, who's uh, Keith Meister, I think his name is, who does a ton of these surgeries, is going to do the surgery. Now, he was with yes, the Reds, right, obviously, yeah, yeah. so he knows he's him. But he's like a right. specialist for, sure. for Tommy John. It sounds like they're not 100% sure whether it will be the full-scale Tommy John or the brace Right, uh, which Maeda had, which right. is in theory supposed to be more of a nine to twelve month recovery right. versus like a twelve to fifteen month recovery. Right. But either way, right. uh, he's going to be a free agent. And the frustrating part, I think, in talking, and, about and I mean, it's the whether which one he goes is kind of 
interesting in terms of his future too, because it's a lot different between getting back in May of this year or September of next. I mean, May of next year right. or September of next year, especially as a free agent hitting right. the market. You know, yeah. I mean, you can if, if you're not if you're not going to be coming back till September of next year. Well, then you're kind of looking for like a Michael Pineda kind of deal in the offseason. You're looking for a two-year deal, something like that. If you're coming back in the middle of next season, you could do one of two things. You could just, this offseason, sign a one-year deal for not a lot of money, incentive-laden maybe, and with the hope that you're going to contribute in the second half. Or you could remain a free agent, get to a point where you're ready, and then throw for teams in July and hope to snag maybe a, a little bit better deal. Uh, he's probably going to be in a spot where he's going to have to sign a multi-year deal. We can talk for it in a second if the Twins might be interested in doing something like yeah. that. They basically did it with Chris Paddock, Paddock yep. uh, recently. But the, I think the what came through talking to everyone involved in this is the kind of double frustration of, A, we really did like this guy. Right. And we did what I would say was an uncharacteristically aggressive – trade for him right. which i think was as a big picture idea was a good thing yes I agree. given where they were yep. at in august which was in first place and they leaned into what picture. we wanted them right. to lean into yep but they feel like and, and they feel like they saw glimpses but they never really got a chance no. to have any sort of consistent you know more than a start or two at a time uh impact from him and because it was so murky from a health standpoint where it's not like he just immediately needed shoulder surgery. Right. He was saying he was fine and they were going to rest and rehab. And then it was, you know, he came back. It really kind of was so unsettled within the rotation yeah. that you were almost having to kind of. You uh, can't really have an alternate plan or make. You, right. You, you, have to, you have to at least allow that he's going to be involved in right. making 30. You had to manage around. Really good starts. Yes. Right. And because he felt good, like we said, all off season, and because he went to driveline and he showed up to spring training with a new slider and good velocity right. and all that, there was no reason for them not to plan for him, although they did start yeah. with they six actually did. Yeah, right. and really seven right. major league caliber starters with Oberyn and Varlin, in part because of Maui, but also in part because of Maeda, right. and in part just because they wanted to trade for Pablo Lopez. But then the second, so that was frustrating. Just they right. felt like we made a trade. We we targeted and a guy we liked. Could not have gone worse, right? And we just <laughs> right. never got any sort of sense uh, of what he could be. And then the doubly frustrating part for Maui, I think, was his shoulder feels fine mm-hmm. uh, now. He always says he feels fine, but I think there was some evidence <laughs> yeah, of that right. in his performance. Right. And you know, I'm sure that on shoulder some was, level, shoulder was strong enough to. Blow that eight, <laughs> blow that. Well, right. That's the thing. I mean, like this is gonna be you know Dr. Gleeman, the college dropout here. But on some level, I'm sure an elbow and a shoulder are connected for a major sure. pitcher. But I don't think this is an example. Like I don't think you can just look at this and say, well, they got a guy who was damaged goods. He was immediately hurt, and now he blew out his arm and he needs surgery. Well, yeah, that is sort of what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. But <laughs> the the initial injury, the reason that. You would call him damaged goods, right? If you want to call him that, if you want to call another human being that, uh, <laughs> is uh, is was fixed. Now, would the shoulder have lasted thirty starts? Well, well we don't obviously, know. I'm, right. anybody yeah. who listens to this knows I'm skeptical. <laughs> but you know, it's not as if look. I love to pat myself on the back for anything. God knows that. <laughs> right. But a predicting any pitcher will get injured is yeah. a pretty decent bet over a long enough timeline. Right. And b 
I thought the shoulder was going to be a problem. Now, the fact that the elbow became a problem, you can fold that into an overall skepticism about Tyler Malley. Yeah. Sure. But they're not as connected as I think you might assume. Uh, and I think that was the doubly frustrating part, which is we got this guy, Nick Paparesta worked with him and he did all this stuff on his own. We got this guy to a point where he was back to throwing 93, 94. He looked solid. The shoulder felt good. And then the other thing blew up. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know. You know that's life in the in yeah. the pitching acquisition game. I that guess is, nobody knows correct. that more than the Twins. Yep, you're right. Uh, let's see a couple other just notes, domino effects from this. I sure. guess sort of. Um, you can no longer give him a qualifying. I mean, you can, but they won't give him or a qualifying offer. Right, right. And uh, that what is a factor in any sort of trade like this. We've right. actually talked about this. If you look at some the the biggest moves the Twins have made for starting pitchers uh, under this regime, it's Lopez, Sonny Gray, and Malley. Right. And the f- two of those three, Gray and Lopez, had two full seasons under team control. Yes. They acquired them before a season, and they had two seasons. Malley had basically one, one and, and a half, half seasons. Right. And in both cases, because if you're traded mid-season – and it's your final season under team control, you're ineligible for the qualifying offer. But if you're traded with one and a half seasons left or before right. the two seasons, then the qualifying offer can be made. And they definitely factor that in. We've talked about the Sonny Gray thing looking like a nice piece of business, whether or not they keep Sonny Gray, right. who's also an impending free agent. But the idea with Gray is they traded essentially a late first-round pick, Chase Petty, for Sonny Gray. They're going to get two good seasons out of Sonny Gray. That, well, right. Knock on wood. I mean, I'd say they're already basically at <laughs> yeah, that point right, right. Uh, from a value standpoint. Then they're going to make Sonny Gray the qualifying offer. Either he accepts it, right. returns on a one-year $20 million deal, which great. Right. Or now he declines it. seasons out of him. And yeah. if he, right. He declines it, and if he signs elsewhere, you get essentially that draft pick back. Right. You cancel out the price you paid roughly. Now, you could have made that same play – with Mally, yep. and it's you know one draft pick is not going to cancel out the three prospects sure. that they gave up, but it canceled out a chunk one of, of them. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, a factor right, in the right, valuation right. of these trades, and now that's off the table yep. essentially. I mean, obviously he would accept a one-year qualifying. Of course offer. he would. Uh, so <laughs> that takes that component out of it, which is unfortunate, just in terms of the long-term valuation of this trade. Um, the in the immediate, it essentially makes. Bailey Obra, a full-time member of this rotation. He's in yep. absolutely no danger of being pushed out, even if Maeda were to return right. relatively soon, which I'm skeptical about, although we I got some information on that yesterday that we can talk about too. And it means that Varlin is now connected to, to, to Maeda, Maeda so, yeah. instead of Varlin actually joined the rotation to replace Maui. Uh, so he's... Varlin, who had maybe his best start as yes, a major who's leaguer looked good. on Tuesday. Yep. I mean, Louis Varlin has looked good. He's made eight starts. I'd <laughs> say he's looked good in six or seven of right, them, yeah. basically, uh, which is pretty good for any pitcher. Um, the trade itself, and everybody's all worked about, about Spencer Steer because he's playing in the majors. Spencer Steer has not been good for the yeah. Reds. That doesn't mean he won't be good for the Reds. Right. But he's 25, and I think he's got a you know 90 career OPS plus or something like that. Uh, you know, he's so far been closer to a Kyle Farmer, yeah, than a oh this guy's our long term. It might third be baseman. nice right now when you've got a, a yes. spot He'd at probably third be base playing third base for them. Nice. Undeniably, yep, yep. it would be nice to have him yes, right now. Right. Uh, and I actually, I do think I, I was pretty high on Steer. 
just overall, I think he's going to be a good, solid player. I don't know that there's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we traded Spencer Steer type of upside, but you never know. Christian Encarnacion Strand, however, who at the time was the second, you know, headliner that they traded. I would say he was perceived to be the headliner in that trade. Don't you think? Go back and read it. He wasn't. Yeah. A lot of people had him third in that trade. Right. Okay. Go back and read the midseason rankings. He wasn't anywhere near Steer. Well, no, but by the time that that trade, he was the one of the, listen, they both had a lot of steam because they both had really good years. Right. But I think, yeah, I'm talking last year. Of the two, that at the very least amongst the prospect hounds I knew, he was the one that hurt more so than Steer. I think you're. So, uh, I think this is a. Uh, you think it's the apocryphal yeah? tale? Okay, I'm not saying people weren't high on him, but there I didn't, I don't remember any rankings or any even write ups of the trade. People were obsessed with Steer because Steer was thriving at Triple A, yeah. and the perception was he could have stepped into the lineup. Well, now, that, well, if you want to say Encarnacion Strand at the time had more upside, well, that's sure. exactly right. But man, keep yeah. in mind, he had never even gotten to Triple A at that right. point. That's he had right. just gotten to Double, double A, a right. when they traded. Now, since then. Uh, your overall point ends up being correct anyway, uh, despite the nitpicking by the, your incredibly uh, cranky but handsome co-host. Um, he's just been on fire mm-hmm. uh, this season. He was he was good for the Reds in the Reds system last year, but not any better than he had been in the Twins. But he had crushed for the Twins too. I mean, he hit going back. He hit 400 in junior college. He transferred to Oklahoma State. He hit you know 400 at Oklahoma right. State. The Twins drafted him in the fifth round and felt immediately like they got a steal. He crushed the low minors, crushed double A, gets traded, and now he's I think he's got seven homers in I don't know 16 games at Triple right. A or something yeah. like that. Uh, they could use him too, although he hasn't been called up yet. I think most likely he's going to end up as a first baseman DH, which, as we're going to talk about in a minute here with Jose Miranda, does sure. end up mattering, yeah, right. uh, especially in terms of the Twins' plans. But that's the one that right now looks like it could hurt the most. The third player they traded was a left-handed pitcher named Steve Hajar, who has since been traded from Cincinnati to Cleveland, right. and they didn't get like a lot for him and now he's shut down he hasn't thrown a pitch this season because of a shoulder injury and he had some injuries before the trade was sure. with the twins too so you know if i'm ranking him now in terms of uh, 10 years from now what's the one that's going to sting the most from this trade it's probably Encarnacion strand yep. steer and hajar although all three have the potential uh to sting although let's be honest it's possible that none of them true. truly stay. That's true. Uh, but we'll see. So, but in any case, no matter what they get, they're getting more than the Twins got from, from, from Tyler Malley. Well, I mean, not to steal Derek Wetmore or uh, old friend Derek Wetmore, <laughs> who has had the good sense to retire from baseball. Uh, there's a non-zero There's a non-zero chance, chance that the whatever, you know, 0.8 war uh, Malley gave the Twins. I mean, Malley made... Nine starts for the Twins with like a three-something ERA. There was some value in that. Now, like we talked about, it was a weird situation, right. so that removes some of the value. I mean, Spencer Steer has not been an above-replacement-level player yet. Probably not. Hazar's yeah. been traded and is hurt. Now, I'm pretty sure Encarnacion Strand's going to get to the pretty majors sure the Twins and take, hit a little take, bit. Take back that trade. Of course, well, that's a <laughs> – All right. Absolutely. Okay. They would have taken that trade the moment Malley walked off the mound <laughs> – Having thrown 85 miles an hour Maybe, last year, yeah, probably, I think it was yeah, safe to right. say they would uh, they would undo that trade. Then the the one other thing that we mentioned, and then we'll get to some other stuff, but the idea of a like paddock style, yes, you're hurt, but we'd like to keep you type of trade. Now, 
The difference is, yes, Paddock had Tommy John surgery. It was the second one. And it was in May. Right. But the difference is they had control over Paddock. For two years. For two more years via arbitration. If they wanted it. Right. He wasn't an impending free agent. And so they could approach, you know, I, I tried to poke around about this a little bit, and everyone basically told me, let the guy have the surgery first and let's see right. how that goes and see how he feels and right. we can maybe broach this later. But it's not implausible. Like you mentioned, the Michael Pineda trade is a blueprint for that. Right. The Paddock deal is sort of a blueprint for that, but not really. It would have to be kind of a one plus one contract minimally, which is to say it's a two-year deal, but the first year of that deal, right. it's it's kind of providing a home for you to rehab, and maybe you throw a little bit in August and September or something. I had two thoughts on that, as we talked about it yesterday at the game, as the Valley News broke and such, we found out about right. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot different situation than Paddock because Paddock not only was under contract last year, he was under, like you said, he's under team control, the arbitration, via yeah. arbitration for two more years if they wanted it, or they could just not. Uh, they could not offer him any arbitration. They could have just said, "We're going to cut right. cut bait right here." Yes, right. Uh, which where, is what where, he wanted which, to avoid. Which is, which is two years more than they, they have. It's why, the, it's why the Twins had some level of leverage That's in right. there, which That's they right. don't have really with right. Malley, other than the injury. I mean, obviously. Correct. Um, my, you know, my thoughts on it were, you know, are we at the point where, where you know, you're, you're doing that because you're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're kind of writing him off for 2024, but 2025, we'll have him coming back. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, but. What's this even going to look like in 2025? Right. right. You've got a lot of options. You might have a lot of options in 2025. Like, they aren't as pitching poor as they were at at that point with that. Now, on the other hand, it could be that one of the reasons they extended Paddock, and that could mean they would also try to do something like this with Mally, is they still want to get something for that trade. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's a sunk cost, but But tell your brain that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. it's hard to convince yourself. Like <laughs> right. logically, right. believe me, the twins know the concept of right. a sunk cost and all <laughs> exactly this stuff. Right. Yep. They've all gone to business school. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, there is a little something there. So like, you know, we did like this guy. Yeah. Like it wasn't just it wasn't just he was the only guy available. It was also we do like him. We saw how hard he worked. He got the shoulder right. right. Yeah, uh, and by the way, know, to be clear, while I think his you know, uh stonewall face and Refusal to even acknowledge in, yeah, that he was at all injured each time right. put them in something of a difficult situation, like managerially or roster-wise or just in general. Sure. To be clear, no one that I've talked to has said a bad word about Tyler no, Miley yeah. as a person or a teammate right. or a work ethic and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, they like him. They went on trade for him. They, they like him as a pitcher. They like him just fine as a person, all that stuff. I just it's, – it's, it's very strange – to try to figure out, like, what would this type of contract look like, right? Because yeah. the first year of the contract is only setting up the second year of the right. contract. And if he had j- – the what second was that year – deal? Was that two years, $11 million, like $2 million the first year, and $9 million the second year, something, something like, that? like that? That's the initial – That was the initial contract they contract, signed him right? as a free agent. Then they re-signed him to a two-year $20 million deal. Yeah, I think it was like two ten. Something and like the that. first one was like a million and a half, and the second one was like one eight point five or something. With obviously, you provide the ability to rehab right. under your exactly umbrella right. and all yes. that stuff, right. which is valuable too. Um, you know, the tricky part of that though is when you're talking about free agency, you say, okay, we want to do a two year deal. The first year is just kind of paying you to stay here, right? You know, a million bucks, 
And then you try to figure out, well, what's the price tag for the second year? But then you have to say to yourself, well, if he were just a free agent coming off Tommy John surgery and maybe hadn't even pitched at that point, right. come two off seasons from now, what's he getting as a free agent anyway? He's probably right. getting a one-year deal for, I don't know, $8 million, $10 million, right. something like that. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to get a three-year, $45 million deal at that point. Right. And so – what are you for from the twins' perspective? Unless you're just super high on Tyler Malley, which maybe they they still are, you can't just say, "Oh, let's give him a two year, fifteen million dollar deal. We'll give him two million to rehab, and then uh, thirteen million right. two years from now." First of all, he might provide no value two years from now. Right. And second of all, is that really giving you a leg up in terms of what he or a similar pitcher would cost coming off? Elbow surgery, right. two year, two off seasons from now. So yeah, it's a, it's tricky. Now, if you're Maui, it's a question of how much faith do you have in your ability to come back, maybe on a one year deal elsewhere, right. put together a full healthy season, re hit free agency at age thirty probably, and then get you know a four or five year deal. I would say that just given his track record, almost no matter how well he pitches next year for the second half of the year, or you're even about the towards, year after right, that, if it's right. like a one in one. People aren't going to be lining up to give him a hundred million dollars, I don't think. But yeah, so that's part of the. the it feels like he's, you know, his payday, which was going to be this year, is going to be delayed at least two years. Yes. right. That the, the people are going to want to see a full year of health. Now, the idea of a two-year deal, one of the things that allows you is you don't have to try and scramble to be back in may you can actually you know hey let's let's sure. let's make sure that we get this thing right yeah you're, you know what you're I mean? more your motivations are more aligned team right. and player because That's right long one side term is not trying to rush the other right. back right one side is not trying to play long term versus short term all that stuff yeah um okay. i just looked up the potato is 210 so it was uh yeah, yeah two, a million two and, and eight two million. and eight okay yeah, yeah. um okay before we get to uh the other stuff yeah, let's talk about our next batch Spons- of sponsors, BetterHelp. Yep. Um, BetterHelp.com. Uh, the idea is, if you're interested in getting some therapy or some help on whatever it is, yep. Uh, better and but you're saying oh, it's a pain to find a therapist. Right. It's a pain from an insurance standpoint. I, maybe you're saying I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to do this in <laughs> right. person. Whatever right. it is, and I I can sympathize with that. It's expensive. Better help. It's also right. expensive. Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of barriers for entry. And better help, if you want to do a video chat with somebody, you can do that. If you don't even want to be on camera, yep. you do a phone call. If you're like me and you hate being on the phone, you can do a live chat where you just type with a person. They'll, yeah. if they'll you set it up however if you, you don't, would like. If you don't mess with your therapist, you can right. get another yeah, therapist. There's no got a lot of them. commitment right. or anything. Right. You can get matched up with real therapists who are specialists with whatever you need help with. Right. And you, they can do it in a timely manner, in an easy manner, and they can set it up to fit what you're looking for. You know what the barrier is? You just got to fill out a brief questionnaire. Just get to fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. And then, like you said, we can switch the therapist anytime for no additional charge. So uh, here's what you need to do. You go to betterhelp.com slash Gleeman, and you'll get 10% off your first month to give it a try. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash Gleeman. Uh, let's see. Next sponsor. second sponsor is uh, my bookie. Uh, we like uh, we uh, we approve of gambling. <laughs> you don't speak for me. They won't let me in the church anymore after that. Uh, MLB is back in full swing. My bookie is giving is going to be your one stop shop for all your betting needs with a wide range of betting options, including money lines, run totals, totals, futures. 
MyBookie gives you plenty of ways to bet on your favorite teams and players. You can also take advantage of a brand new MyBookie money bag, which gives you the chance to secure a bet on your favorite team or player at insanely boosted odds. You just sign up today. You go to MyBookie and use promo code GLEEMAN to secure a first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. It's simple. Deposit 200 bucks and play with 300 bucks instantly. Just use the promo code GLEEMAN to claim your bonus. So if you're a baseball fan looking to add some excitement to the new season, look no further than my bookie. Sign up now. Get ready to experience the thrill of baseball betting like never before. Bet, Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, my bookie. That's right. uh, okay. So let's get on to the, uh, well, I don't want to say healthy players, but the non-Tommy John injured <laughs> players. Because uh, there's a couple key roster uh, moves. Yeah. Machinations, is that the word? Yeah, Machina- machinations. 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 I don't know. You ever realize in the middle of a sentence that you've only ever read written a word, word or yeah, written a read, word and yeah. not said a word? Right. It happens to me a lot, yeah. I guess, as a writer, where I'm <laughs> like, I'm about to say a word and then I think to myself, have I only read this in a book or have I only ever typed this and can I find a synonym that I know how to pronounce? Detritus. Yeah. Detritus is your version of that? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good example I, of this. I I, can't. That would hit me, I don't know, a couple couple weeks ago or something where I was like, is it detritus? Is it detritus? I didn't know exactly. Yeah, right, like, yeah, yeah, who yeah. knows? I think it's detritus. Here's what I've learned, though, about that, which I do stress out about that type of thing. That's the type of thing I think about a lot. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I've learned. The person you're saying it to... Also has no idea. It's usually a coin flip. And also, (laughs) if you say it wrong, even if they're pretty sure you're saying it wrong, they will have enough doubt in their head that they'll go, have I been saying that wrong this whole time? (laughs) He said it. Really weird. Anyway. um, Okay. So we can kind of lump these together in a way because I do think it's a little bit of a similar situation. So you have essentially the Larnick sent down Kirloff active or called up right. situation and then the farmer back from the IL and Miranda sent down situation. And the similar part of that to me is Miranda and Larnick as former top prospects, still relatively young and relatively inexperienced major leaguers, but they each right. have, you know, 150 something games right. uh, in the majors guys who are still potentially long-term core pieces for the twins or right. building blocks for the twins but you're a little less sure of that or a lot less sure of that than you were six months ago 12 months Slow ago starts and it's middle of may right this is when changes are made right. now obviously yep. kirloff is much different than kyle farmer right. and that's yes, where right. you know the differences is so i guess let's continue our reverse chronological okay because you've chosen that choose your own adventure <laughs> yeah. uh so now we turn to page 112 on choose your own did you used to read those yeah. i was gonna say as a yeah, kid i loved those you were like as a kid in like the 40s so did <laughs> yeah, they have they those have, when they you were a kid oh, absolutely they have those okay. yeah we love those choose your own adventure i, I think my generation was the one that popular popularized really in the first place yeah, yeah they so. had them you guys used to write them on like what tree bark and then <laughs> they actually chiseled them into yeah. stone uh, yeah. yeah on the inside of your cave <laughs> walls or whatever yeah, uh okay so let's talk miranda and far Farmer and I guess Castro uh, in that right. first. So we actually this news broke mid podcast for anybody who says Patreon <laughs> yes, subscriber. Right. We were talking with Dan Hayes, and about halfway through that episode, John goes, "Hey, I got some news. Uh, hey, I finally get to interrupt this uh, <laughs> yeah. pointless discussion. No, you guys this are incredible <laughs> debate. How dare you, you <laughs> son of a! Uh, and the surprise there was, I mean." It was clear that Farmer was on the verge of being activated. He had the previous day 
Uh, he was in the clubhouse. Right. We talked to him. He looks good. He feels good. He had worked out, like gone through an extensive he played workout. last week with St. Paul. Yeah, right. You right. saw him hit and, a homer. And then did not go on the road with St. Paul. Right. It was in the clubhouse. That's yeah, the, so, yeah, that was right, the right. real tell. Right. Yeah, which right. is, uh, he doesn't need more at-bats because he'd be in Columbus <laughs> He'd be in the Annapolis. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Uh, so the decision point there was we want Kyle Farmer back. Do we – you know, you have to clear a roster spot for him. It was going to be a position player. It was going to be an infielder. Right. Now, there were a couple other options, but I think ultimately it definitely came down to do we take the like most straightforward, cleanest, uncomplicated route of just sending down Willie Castro, right. who is the was the last guy on the team coming out of spring training, right. has been the least used position player, right. and – not to be mean to Willie Castro, but is the most expendable player on the entire roster. I mean, he's a replacement level player. Basically. He wasn't supposed to be there. Right. <laughs> right. And he has minor league options left, right. which means you can just send him to AAA. No harm, no foul. I think he at that time he had 49 plate appearances in 36 games or something, or right. 30-something games, whatever it was. That would have been the you know least rearranging of anything roster-wise. Right. Farmer comes back. Miranda stays as the primary third baseman, but perhaps gets pushed a little more for playing time by Farmer, who continues to bounce around the infield in the role that he kind of began the season. Correct. What they instead opted to do. And we both sort of thought that was going to be the I way assume that because I always assume they're going to take the kind of depth preserving, least uh, flipping over an apple cart right. type of situation. And I mean, there's certainly enough guys on that roster they could use a day off occasionally between Polanco sure. and Correa and Miranda, right. uh, who had p- 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 starting almost every game up till like last week. Right. Uh, I also just uh, am generally not a big believer in Willie Castro, so that sure. played a part in. Obviously, they believe in him more, or he wouldn't be on the team. What they instead decided to do was keep Willie Castro and send down Jose Miranda. Now, just to be clear, Jose Miranda, from a performance standpoint, is Absolutely deserving of a demotion to Triple A. Sure, uh, he's he had been. So was Willie Castro. Well, right, but he wasn't <laughs> right, I would right, argue, yeah, right. deserving of a promotion <laughs> to begin with. But Miranda has been genuinely terrible this season on both sides of the ball. Yeah. At the time of the demotion, I looked his OPS ranked 167th out of 178 qualified hitters in the major leagues, and. You could maybe argue his defense was slightly worse than that even. Maybe. It wasn't much better, certainly. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing that played into it was a lot of times for a guy coming off a solid rookie season and he's 24 and this is his first full season, you can say, oh, who cares? It's a bad six weeks, whatever. But two things. One, he also struggled down the stretch last year, which yeah. they attributed to fatigue and just – Full season and all that sure. stuff, but he was pretty bad for the last six weeks last year, too. Right. So it was more like 80 games of struggle as opposed to 35 games of struggle. And then the other thing that I think ultimately is why this was very similar to Larnick, they felt like he was getting more lost, right. not better. They felt yes. like the at-bat quality was getting worse. They felt The trend like, was not up. Right. The trend was down. They, right. I think, worried with Larnick and again with Miranda that they had gotten to a point where the imp- they weren't going to snap out of it. Right. They were without, doing more harm than good at yeah, this level. Yeah, some kind of yeah. reset, which is yeah. how a couple people phrased it yeah. um, when they sent down Miranda. And so I, I'm, you know, I I don't know what I would have done. I expected them to send down Castro. I did too. I have no problem with what they instead chose to do. My actual assumption, and we talked about this with Dan actually, my assumption was they were going to send down Castro and then that would buy – Miranda essentially 20 days because, right. as we're now going to mix in here, yeah. Royce Lewis 
began a rehab assignment last night at Double A right. as a third baseman. Yes. And he's going to play some short, too, but I expect him to play a lot of third base. He's going to play initially at double-A, then probably next week he'll move up to St. Paul, triple-A. The window for a rehab assignment is a maximum of 20 days. Now, they can do at the end of those 20 days what they did with Kirloff, which is activate him from the injured list and then just option him to triple-A. Right. And given back-to-back torn ACLs and the long layoff and stuff like that, I, I think that's very likely. But that's kind of why I thought send down Castro – Give Miranda three more weeks, essentially, to get your S together. Right. And if you can't, then early June, first week of June, let's say, we can make that same swap right. that they did now, except it's Miranda going down and Royce Lewis rejoining the team and taking over at third base. They decided not to wait on that. And instead, now it's going to be Kyle Farmer as your primary third baseman for minimally three more weeks. 20 days or something, 19 more days, I guess, which, again, not the worst thing. He's gonna, right. he's definitely going to be an upgrade defensively, yes. and it's going to be hard for him to not be as good or better offensively just because of how bad Miranda is, but, you know. Doesn't have the ceiling, but has a right. higher floor. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, when they acquired seen. Farmer, it was to be a placeholder shortstop, and they hoped, if they were able to re-sign Correa or sign a different star shortstop, that he would be like a high-end utility guy. Right. Playing him as an everyday third baseman, I remember having this conversation about Nick Punto about 20 years ago with you, which is <laughs> as an everyday third baseman, Nick Punto is no good. Right. As a 300 at bat per year super utility guy who can fill in at third base or fill in wherever, he's a really useful player. And I think that's where Farmer is. Farmer should play every day against lefties because he has a really good track record against lefties. He's a right-handed hitter. It's the every day against righties part. That gets a little tricky. I think you may see some Willie Castro, who's a switch hitter there, can be a left-handed bat against righties. I don't think it's going to be a platoon. I expect Farmer to play a lot more. Right. But you can spot Willie Castro as a left-handed bat against some righties. But the problem there is... You could have done that this whole time, though. You could have, you could have right. spotted Willie Castro. The problem there is, right. yes, Willie Castro swings a bat left-handed. <laughs> I wouldn't really say he hits left-handed. Yeah, right, you know? right, that, I mean, that's right. the problem with that's a lot right. of this stuff situationally. So... That's where they're at at third base. If they had somebody that could play third base competently, like Spencer Steer, you say? <laughs> yeah, Christian they, they, they this, Or even if, even if they would have thought Miranda wasn't hurting himself, right? But it, it, it this move suggests they thought he was hurting himself. That that there, this was as done. Listen, the, the needs of the team have to be high you know weighed in on this and this team might be a better team with Miranda even as much as he's struggling up here and sure. Castro down there but at some point you take a look and go is it gonna be that much better and we got to get this guy on track like if right. we're gonna be back to the earlier conversation if we're gonna be where we want to be in September Miranda has to be right and we are that's one of the ways that we are gonna be yes better we, have to, have, a, we have to have an answer at third full base. circle John bring this look is why me. he's a look radio professional <laughs> podcast professional excuse me uh so I would say the depth chart now at third base is Farmer first, Castro second. Do- I asked about this, so this is the only reason I'm yeah. laying this out. Donovan Solano is third. Uh-huh. I wouldn't expect to see him much, <laughs> but you know something resembling it an emergency happen. Yeah, sure. I mean, he has played third base. I think just at his age, he's not a great. I mean, he hasn't been great right. at first base. And then I thought, well, maybe this is an opportunity for Nick Gordon to be a left-handed bat. I'm glad you asked. Yes, and I was told. Not going to happen. Never like, if we get into the 11th inning and 
pinch hitters start coming off the bench and we're scrambling defensively, right. yeah, maybe he finds himself over at third base. But for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, and I get it, uh, they're not gonna. They don't trust Nick Gordon to play third base. I, I, Nick Gordon, Kyle Farmer, platoon, which is by the way what they briefly did at second base right. to replace Polanco. Um, can be pretty productive offensively. I'm with you. But if they don't trust Gordon to play third base defensively, yeah. then it's a, kind of a moot point. Um, let's see. A couple other things ab- about this. So That would have been slick. I would have liked that if yeah. he could do that. I mean, I get that he can't, but boy, he seems like somebody who could. <laughs> so it just kind of bums me out. Yeah. It is weird to – well, it's not like they play him at shortstop much. Right. But it is weird to be a shortstop and to not be able right. to play third base, which brings us to Royce Lewis – Right. who we mentioned, but Royce Lewis, career-long shortstop. First of all, let's focus on the, the really positive news of this, which is that he's long. Uh, he's recovered well enough from right. a second-torn ACL to be well ahead of schedule, by the way. They said 12 months. It's been, right. what, nine months? Nine and a half yeah, months, right, something yeah, like that, roughly? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, when he initially suffered the second-torn ACL, they were – I guess on the record, but even off the record, saying June or July, something yeah, like that. Right. Yeah, that's you right. know, yeah, to start right. by the way playing in games, not right. be yes. back in the Twins lineup. Right. And now he's playing in games before mid-May or in mid-May. Uh, even the full twenty-day rehab will bring him essentially to June first. Yeah, May thirty-first. May thirtieth would be the last day of the twenty-day rehab. Here's a weird quirk of that, by the way. Uh, he. That's he's not even if they wanted to if he, let's say he went to AAA on the rehab assignment uh-huh. and homered in eight straight games they can't activate him from the sixty day injured list until June first anyway oh really because okay. he was placed yeah, yeah, yeah. on right. March thirtieth which is the first day of the race. well I also looked May thirty first they are on the road at Houston for a day game and then they come home that's their getaway day and they come home June and June first is when yeah. they June, they they start a series versus Cleveland I that was day. somebody phrased it as. First week of June was sort of the – now, I want to be clear here. Like, there's nothing guaranteeing Royce Lewis right. from having a smooth rehab assignment. Right. There's nothing guaranteeing him from not having a setback. There's nothing – I mean, he went 0 for 3 with three strikeouts last night. Like, this is a guy who has – Batting number two, though. Well, <laughs> they yeah. put it right at the top of the order already. Yeah. Uh, but this guy has played, I think, 46 games in the last four years, essentially. Right. Or four seasons. Three seasons, I guess. You know, he's going to be rusty. He's got the injury itself, which John knows all about. John's doing PT for his own knee surgery. <laughs> yep. um, and there's just – he wasn't exactly, a you know, cemented as a great major sure, leaguer before right, that. Yeah, right. I mean, there are all sorts of questions he has to answer. So there's a very real possibility that he does the 20-day rehab assignment, first at AA, then at AAA. You know, he hits 240 or something. He plays most of the time. He's You know, his knee hopefully is fine. And they just say – yeah, he could use a little bit more time, and they just option him to AAA, in which case Kyle Farmer keeps rolling along at third base. But if things go perfectly, and if Royce Lewis looks anywhere as good as he did coming off the first surgery, yep. when he was great for St. Paul for 30 games, got called up to the Twins, and was great for the Twins in right. a dozen games uh, before suffering the, the same injury, the path is so clear for him now right. to be at third base to the point that I wrote about this yesterday, but to the point that... I wonder if Jose Miranda's window to be the, you know, quote unquote twins starting third baseman, I'm not gonna say it's closed, but it might already be closing. Like he might already be the second most likely to be in that window. Yes. Royce Lewis might even, might be ahead of him. Now, right. right. And yeah. 
let's say Miranda goes to AAA and puts in a month at AAA and looks good. Tears it up. Tears it up. Well, by that point, Lewis could already be at third base. Right. And soon after that, Brooks Lee might also be at right. AAA, yeah. potentially. One, one of the interesting things about where Lewis is playing right now is he's playing with Brooks Lee. Yeah, last with, night. <laughs> yeah, last Brooks the, Lee was at shortstop and Lewis was at third. I'm very curious to see. I am too. <laughs> Doe and I were talking about this because he likes to nerd out about this stuff too, uh, which is they've said that Lewis is going to play shortstop, shortstop and, and third. third base. Right. Now, I think the demotion of Miranda makes it pretty clear that third is going to be the focus. Sure. But what I'm curious about is the Where days that Lee? he plays short at double A, does Lee take a day off? I would does Lee DH or does Lee play third? Right. Because if Lee – he's only played shortstop since they drafted him last year and he only played shortstop in college. Huh, okay. I was wondering if he played any other positions. I don't think – I mean like DH I think he might have okay. played. Uh, but I've also heard some indications that they don't expect the bulk of the rehab to occur at double A anyway. It was more – uh, Wichita is closer to his home in Texas. Right, yeah. Let's get him a handful of games there and get him to St. Paul, basically. And once you're at St. Paul, you know, it's not the infield. Well, they have some decent players in the infield, Michael Hellman and some guys like that, Ed Julian at second base. The shortstop third base situation at St. Paul is just pick, you know, you can pick where you want to play, basically. Uh, so, yeah. That, but let's, like, I feel like I immediately we get caught up in the Miranda and can Lewis replace. Let's just set that aside and say, it's pretty great that Royce Lewis, the first draft pick of this regime and one of the best prospects that the Twins have had in the last right. 20 years, uh, and a guy who showed some real promise in a very brief, all-too-brief window with the Twins, is ahead of schedule and playing in games again. And we're actually at a point where we're talking about how are they going to reintegrate him uh, into the Twins lineup. That's great news. All this other stuff is just you know, a domino effect of what is generally very good news with Royce Lewis. Now, it's not good news with Jose Miranda, but that's separate. Right. But um, let's see. A few other a few other uh, just Miranda news and notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot about Miranda's strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff. We don't need to rehash all that. But in talking to Baldelli and some other people around the team right after the demotion a couple days ago, uh, it's very clear – that they've told him two things. One, work on your defense Yeah. at third. Although I'm curious how much third he plays uh, yeah. at AAA. Does he play first some at AAA, which he had not played for the Twins this year? He played during spring training. Um, how much has Hellman been playing third base, I wonder? Well, Hellman plays everywhere. He yeah. played shortstop yesterday, uh, I think. And But the, the real thing that they told him is you've got to figure out a way to rein in this ultra aggressive, you know, I can put any ball in play, so I'll just swing at everything right. approach. Because as what we saw from him is when he's swinging at strikes, he has an incredible bat, incredible right. potential. He's got legitimate 25 homer power to the pull side, and he can send balls into the right center field gap for doubles. And he can, you know, he's a singles hitter at times. He makes tons of contact. Right. But he gets himself he into should be, so he much. He should be a good number three, number four yes. kind of guy, right? But he's so overly aggressive, and he has such good contact skills that a lot of players are overly aggressive. We talked to Carlos Correa about this, who's something right. of a mentor to Miranda. Right. Yeah. And Correa said what we've both said over the years about Miranda, <clears throat> which is your greatest strength, which is the ability to make, you know, put barrel on ball, 
consistently, right. which he has better than a lot of Twins right. players. Rosario-ish. Right. Can <laughs> right. become your greatest weakness if you're not carefully choosing which pitches you swing at because your swings produce a lot of balls in play. Right. You're much more likely when you swing to put a ball in play than the average player. And so Correa said this, and we've said this, and Boldelli said this, and I'm sure Miranda knows it, which is it's almost – it becomes a weakness for him – the more aggressive he gets, the ability to make contact becomes right. a bigger weakness because then what it turns into is just these, you know, three hoppers to third base with yep. a guy on base and it's an easy double play. Right. Or ju- he just, the quality of his contact has gotten so low and the plate discipline has gotten so yeah. bad that he's just giving away at bats to, to right. pitchers. So when he gets to the point where he starts to struggle, you can see he, that leading to even more struggles. He gets right. his way of fixing that is to get more aggressive. Yes. And it looked, frankly, it looked at the end. Like he was trying to be less aggressive and he was just taking first pitch strikes on a regular basis because they were like. The one that I think really solidified in my mind, at least, that he was just kind of in the woods. Right. Was, I think it was against Cleveland or maybe it was, I don't know, it was on the road trip where they had walked the bases loaded. uh, Yeah. Two of the previous two batters had walked and then he's up there hacking at, you know, chin high fastballs. And he's wanting to hit a 15-run homer, basically. And I get it because you're struggling. But, man, have some – you need some discipline or some – you know, you can be aggressive. He's never going to be Joe Maurer at the plate. I mean, he's never going to be a high on-base percentage guy. But what they have to kind of – And he doesn't – his aggressiveness doesn't result in a ton of strikeouts usually either, right? No. Because he doesn't have an 8-to-1 strikeout ratio like Rosario did. That's why he's so intriguing as a player, which is if if you can just get him to kind of swing at strikes, which is during his breakout season in the minors and at times last year, it wasn't that he was ultra patient. It's just that he was sort of patient. And if you can get ahead in counts or not do pitchers a favor by just swinging at whatever crap they throw up there, then they have to come to you in the strike zone, and then he's super talented, and he can do big damage on it. So I think that's going to be the thing to watch with him is you know chase rate on pitches outside the strike zone. Ground ball rate is going to be something to watch with him, and then which position he's actually playing uh, at AAA. I think there was one other. Let me just – the you know, the one thing I'll say there in terms of like, is he done as a the Twins third baseman? I'm not saying he's literally never going to play third. I'm just right. saying he's worse defensively than Lewis, than Lee, than Farmer for that sure, matter. Right. And so he's not going to win any tiebreakers to kind of be an option at third base. And by the time he's ready to, but nobody's going to. It doesn't have to worry about a. Tiebreaker if he if he just hits. Don't swear, John. Yeah, it's not the Patreon, buddy. I went freaking. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I forget which one we're you doing. You tell that to God when you get uh, when to it, pearly when, gates. John. When it comes, I mean, it's simple, right? He just has to hit. Right. If he hits, like all the rest of it, just takes care of itself. Yeah. Although I agree, and if you're at third and you're a bad defensive third baseman, the bar for offense right. is pretty high. Right. If instead you're a first baseman or a DH where defense matters less, although we saw last year he wasn't exactly great at first base. Right. Uh, he was also just learning it. Sure. <laughs> uh, but the bar is also high there because that's where all the guys who can't right. field yeah. are there. And what I will say is I agree. The, the way for him to get back into the Twins' plans – and I don't think it's impossible by any means. I think I there's a decent chance. It's just a hit. Right. And I don't mean be a 110 OPS plus guy. Right. I mean be a 125, 130 right. OPS. Yeah. Be, a, be a 280, 25 homer guy. Right. That's what he's got to yeah. be. And, and, and they thought he was. 
That's I think the, the, he can the, still the, do that. Yeah, the talent, right. the skill set is there for him to right. do that. It's a matter of can he rein in his aggression? Can he tone down what is by far the biggest weakness in his game, and is such a weakness that it has a chance to sort of cancel out what are some real strengths. Right. But here's what I will say, though, and I agree. Just hit your way back in. If he ends up mostly being a first baseman DH, which I I think where this is headed, at least for the Twins, there's always going to be competition over there. You're not going to get a clean look at that either, particularly with this twit, because you've got Kirloff now at first, who's, I think, the same age as Miranda. Well, that's true. Yeah, probably. I think... Kirloff, 24? I think they're both 24 or 25. Okay, yeah. I know we're in his 24. They're basically the same age. Uh, I think Ed Julian's going to end up at first base or DH. I think Matt Walner's probably going to end up as a DH. And then just in general, as we've seen over the years, there's a lot of just guys who can hit pretty well at first base DH. So whether he stays at third or whether he moves down the defensive spectrum, he can't just be a, oh, he's a pretty good hitter. Jose Miranda, as a pretty good hitter, is a role player. And I think that's the the middle ground that they want to kind of get him past. Right, yes. I agree with you. And and I think – you know, there was so much excitement around him in spring training, yeah. and we really call up right. That's right. Offensively, that I think the thought process is: no, he is a special hitter. He's just not. You know, it's not. It's not even been to the point where he's been like, uh, we, we he's close, but we, you know, he's just been absolutely yeah. lost. So part of me. So that I mean, I guess I should shake my confidence a little bit, but in, in him. But I ultimately, I, 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 I have a fair amount of confidence that he's going to find his way out of this thing. Yeah, so. I mean, I think he has the talent to do it. I what I worry about is part of it's not good enough to be good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not enough to just be. Hey, he's he's a pretty good hitter. But what I really worry about is is this about are these struggles that we've seen with the aggression and swinging at bad pitches and just weak contact and all that. Is that just him, what he looks like in a bad part, or like a bad zone? Right. Or is that pitchers learning how to attack right. yeah, him yeah, yeah. and be. kind of using his own weakness against him yeah. and saying, why am I throwing this guy strikes at all? I mean, yeah. we've seen this over the years. They yeah. did there was Astadio, not that Astadio right. is anywhere near Miranda in terms of talent, but right. it was cute at first with Astadio, and then pitchers realized, I don't have to throw this guy a GD strike. Right. He'll swing at whatever I throw up there. Right. Um, before we talk about Kirloff and Larnick, let's talk about our last sponsor, which is Native Deodorant. As you're going to the ballpark this week, yeah, and there's actually it. sun. <laughs> I need it. Native try deodorant. Out the trade of na- trying to native sunscreen. The, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the, even better. That's right. Yeah, we got. I've been. I have been using it. I've actually had had it. I had it about a month ago. Didn't find really a need to use it yeah, until we went to the uh, until we went to the day game yesterday and uh, used it. I mean, it's everything that you like about the deodorant, only now it's on sunscreen. And that, you know what? You apply a crapload of sunscreen to your skin during the uh, yeah, summer months. You don't want, you know, these chemicals that you can't even read the names. <laughs> right. Do you want to know what you're putting on, what's in the product? And that's what uh, Native is really good about. It's got these good, nice, subtle scents, which is also important. It's prepared to be kind of be a subtle scent because, you're, like I said, you're putting on a lot of it sometimes. Uh, coconut and pineapple or rosé or sweet peach and nectar for your face or body. Uh, with all of the Native sunscreen, you get protection from the sun that is free of chemicals actives like oxybenzone, oxtinoxate, Azobenzone. You you know what's going on in this you, stuff, right? Yeah. God right. bless you. Uh, <laughs> give your skin the protection it deserves with Native's mineral sunscreens. Go to Native D-E-O, D-E-O like yep. deodorant, nativedeo.com slash Gleeman. Use the promo code Gleeman at checkout. You will get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash Gleeman and use the promo code Gleeman at checkout. Okay. 
um, Kirloff, which happened like 90 <laughs> minutes after our last episode. After we expected it to not happen for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> right. We we thought it was going to happen. We just didn't realize and it. And we had talked last time about how lost Larnick had looked in Chicago. Yes. Right? And it was a lot of the same. Not Over the same, nine with eight strikeouts. Not the same weaknesses as Miranda. Right. He's a very patient hitter. Right. His issue is swing and miss. Right. And specifically making consistent contact against off-speed pitches, non-fastballs. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was the, oh, he just looks completely lost. Yeah. Like, how how are we going to dig out of this hole? It felt like, you know, he'd been fighting the good fight for several weeks, and then suddenly he just looked like he had fallen off a cliff. Right. Which, it, it, it'd become too much. So they undid the move that was made basically coming out of spring training, which was Kirloff coming off two uh, wrist injury wrist surgeries. Yeah. Similar to Royce Lewis coming off two knee surgeries, was deemed not ready for opening day, and by him not being on the opening day roster, they needed a left-handed, you know, left field first base DH type of bat, and that was Larnick. Right. And had a great first week, had that three-run homer uh, versus Miami, and then really, I think I looked up the number since that fourth game of the season, hit like 187 with you know a 40 percent strikeout rate or something like that over right. the next month. Uh, he gets sent down. We should note. And Kirloff comes off the IL. Right. And two things have happened since then, which is Kirloff has made an immediate impact. Right. Uh, had the walk-off winner uh, right. in one of these uh, games during San Diego, but then also drawn a lot of walks. Yeah. Hitting the ball hard, mostly on the ground, but hitting the ball hard. Not stinging it the way we saw, you know, two years ago. The exit right? velocity is as good as just all on the ground. Okay. Uh, which is something to watch. Yeah. Because when, in the past, when the wrist has started to act up again, he hits the ball on the ground. Okay. Um, but, you know, these have been well struck on the ground. I've been impressed. You know, he was never, not at the Miranda level, but he was a free swinger uh, as a prospect. Not to the point that people cited it as a weakness, just he wasn't really looking to walk. Right. Uh, he was hitting 350 in the minors. And in the majors, his walk rate was, you know, pretty sporadic. And, you know, we're dealing with a very small sample here, but. He has the lowest chase rate, you know, swinging at pitches outside the strike zone on the whole team now uh, since coming up. And, you know, it's only a handful of games. But he's got four or five walks already. He's walked in a couple of key spots. But uh, no extra base hits. So uh, yeah, although the one might have been if it hadn't ended the well, game. Well, I suppose you're right. Yeah, you're right. Well, you're right. Yeah, uh, that's fair. But you're right. No, he hasn't driven a ball into a gap yet, yeah, really. right. Uh, but we'll see. The yeah, bats, I think, have, have been good quality. The other thing that's happened since then is they sent Larnick to AAA. He homered twice last night. <laughs> Did he? Or Good. yesterday. I okay. don't remember what time. Yeah, last night. And he's hitting like 550. <laughs> and Kepler left yesterday's game right. with some – it turned out to be leg cramping. But okay. we didn't know that in the moment. We thought, oh, here we go again with Kepler. <laughs> right. And we'll see how he is today. Could always be here we go again. Right. Uh, and my immediate thought was, they're going to just call Larnick back up or are they going to say to themselves – well, what does it really accomplish? He hadn't hit the two home runs last night yet right, at this point. Yeah, right, but right, right. what does it really accomplish to just immediately call him back up? Right. Like the whole reset idea, get him some time at AAA, get him comfortable again. So then I was saying, well, is it going to be Larnick to replace Kepler or will it just be Walner or Garlic? It could have been somebody like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, we got a lot of lefties coming up. I haven't taken a look no, at the Okay, but, yeah. Uh, hopefully it's a moot point. We'll see with Kepler. You never know with Kepler. Right. Yeah. Uh, minor injuries turn into... A week, uh, quite a bit with Kepler, yeah. I think. But we'll see. Uh, but good to see Larnick crushing. I mean, we're going to run into the same thing with Miranda, too, which is 
assuredly at some point in the next sure. three weeks, some infielder is going to get hurt. Right. Yep. And the question is going to be, should we just call Miranda right back up or do we want to call someone else back up specifically so that we don't mess with Miranda for right. a month or yeah. you know longer than that? Um, let's see. And one other... Uh, I yeah. guess I mean we I, can, am, I am excited to be able to watch Kirilov. Again. Yeah, that's really what we. It's to me he does not look quite the same. He's been good. Sure, he doesn't look. He doesn't feel like he's quite the same. But you know, I think that has been sort of the sense ever since the wrist thing. Like that's one of the reasons they're playing him. You know, two games out of three in in St. Paul, right. etc. They definitely were cautious with his recovery this time around. Right. I think if yeah. you'd watched him and now, he's playing every game. <laughs> Well, we'll see. Depends how many lefties they face because it's real easy to just bench them against lefties, give them time off that way. But, yeah, I think if you'd have watched him every day in St. Paul over the last few weeks, you might have a different impression of how he looked. Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. He was crushing at St. Paul. Now it's triple A, but you still got to hit the ball far at triple A and in the air at triple A. I mean, it's the same conversation with Lewis that we're going to have hopefully 20 days from now, which is it's easy to forget (laughs) <laughs> right. because it's been so long since they got a clean run at this thing and so long since we've seen them at 100%, especially in Kirilov's case, that this dude wasn't just a good prospect. Like right. Miranda and Larnick were good prospects, are good prospects sort of. Alex Kirilov was a great prospect. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I, right. At his peak, like when they called him up in 2020 for the playoff game and he'd never even played in a regular season game, I was of the opinion that he was the best just hitting only, not talking about sure. defense or anything. The best hitting prospect the Twins have had since Morno. Now, you can say that's faint praise or whatever, but well, they've had some pretty good hitting I prospects. I mean, Kubo was in between those two. True. Right, yeah, yeah, I mean, that would right. be probably Could, the only. Yeah. Make then he gets hurt. That, they, yeah. they saw very brief glimpses in each of the past two seasons, you know, a week or yep. two at a time. Yep. Or if you were at AAA, you saw it for a month last year. Right. But there's just been such few, oh, we get to watch him, you know, at even ninety percent health right. for a month here, and it's e- so it's easy to forget. And this lineup needs it. This, this lineup, lineup needs, needs it. A good, solid, absolutely number three, number four presence. Yes, yeah. Left-handed bat. You know, the Baldelli actually talked yesterday or the day before. His thing is like, yeah, we need just the production from a lefty, but and he he didn't say it in comparison to Larnick, but it was pretty clear he was talking about that. Right. He said, "What really helps with Alex is he can hit everything." And that doesn't mean he's amazing against every pitch. It just means he's got a very uh, line drive swing that stays in the zone a long time. He can gear up for fastballs, which we saw in the walk-off where the guy got behind 2-0. And I said to Hayes, he's getting a pipe fastball here. We're going to find out something about Alex Kirloff right now. Uh, Because Alex Kirloff three years ago gets a walk-off here. And, yeah, he lined one into right right field. But – but – Compared to like Larnick, who swings through off-speed pitches yeah, like yeah, crazy, right. the difference is he can he has more of a flat level swing, stays in the zone. He gives you a little more like diversity in a lineup that does have a lot of free swingers, and he strikes out a decent amount. But it's more you don't have to say, oh, hopefully he gets some fastballs here, or hope hopefully he gets some yeah, right. changeups here. It's he can adjust There's everything. No easy book. On right. Kirilov, right? There's Unless no, he's hurt, in yes, which case right. the book the, the, becomes oh, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I think that's yeah. important to add to this lineup. And then I had one other uh, – well, that's probably enough on Kirilov. Again, if you want more on this stuff in the moment, right? in some cases breaking news during an episode, 
subscribe to the Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. We do at least one and usually two episodes per week. We usually do a Monday morning episode to recap the weekend and then a Wednesday episode that's either any news that happened, mailbag, guest, uh, et cetera. We would love to have you join us uh, for the rest of the season. Um, I have like two random things because we basically did three topics. Yeah. Got an update on a few injured players yesterday from Falvey. Maeda, Falvey said, weeks, not months for okay. a return. All right. They've not put a timetable on it. Maeda and he's not on the 60-day IL. Uh, no, he's not. No. Although they haven't really needed the spot, really, right? Right. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, Maeda was there yesterday. Like He looks fine. He seems to be in good spirits, all that. My question with Maeda is they, they haven't put a timetable on it. I'm going to assume it's a month plus. Basically, now he's already been out for what's he been out for ten days at this point? Or yeah, like I'm that. trying to remember. Um, I think ten days because Ober started twice, right? Since he came back up, sounds right. Uh, either way, two couple weeks. My assumption is it's a minimum of let's say three more weeks, and it could be significantly longer. That I'm somewhat skeptical that he's going to be able to build back up fully as a starter and rejoin the rotation, and let alone is he their best option to start right. whenever he does come back if Ober and Varlin are now. Somebody will probably be hurt by then, so it'll be a moot <laughs> point. But uh, that was somewhat encouraging, I would say, although that just puts you right back where you were coming out of spring training with Maeda, where there's just a lot of question marks sure. about stuff and readiness and all that. Uh, a couple other people that people have been asking a lot about found out. Uh, Jordan Balzavic started off pitching as a reliever right. at AAA and then most recently made a four-inning start at AAA and has been very good. Uh, Falvey A praised him, which uh, was not a given. Let's say, right. considering uh, what happened in spring training when he uh, got punched <laughs> in the face and broke his jaw, okay. and they weren't real thrilled about that. Um, praised him for working his way back. Praised his stuff for looking very much like it did two years ago before he had a rough season last year. But Falvey said, uh, "Don't assume by the you know quote unquote starts at AAA." That we're grooming him to be a starter again. Yes. Uh, long. I've heard the same thing. Is or multi-inning relief is what they're uh, preparing him for at least this season. I think the hope would be a couple weeks from now. Let's say he can just kind of join the bucket of Cole Sands and Brent Hedrick, right? And uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, Derek, Rod- Derek, Derek Rodriguez. Rodriguez yeah. The call him up for a few days as a long reliever group, right. basically. And from there, you can potentially put, pitch yourself into more of a role right. if you look great in that spot, which Belzovic has a chance to do, maybe more of a chance than any of those other guys just from a talent standpoint. So I don't think it's imminent that they're going to call him up, but I think he's close to at least being an option included now in the bullpen you know, uh, shuffling that goes on. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, if they do end up going that route where he ends up doing you know kind of long relief, it doesn't necessarily... You know, the door isn't shut for him ever being a starter. Sure. Like, that's the whole point of sort of having that sort of longer arm. You could still are, are you know, more pitches. Next year, you could still go, you know, we, we think this guy's going to be back to being a starter after, you know, last year's struggles and such. Maybe we find a kind of in, in between spot for right. him right now. But I'm hearing the same thing, which is this 
they just sort of feel like did his, you, his future is me? sort of in the bullpen. Did I tell? Oh, John's yeah, got other, other sources. Other folks. Sometimes I tell myself stuff and then I say, source close <laughs> to the team says, uh, Ronnie Henriquez, speaking of long yeah, relievers, right. has been uh, moved up or activated from the IL and now he's just optioned to AAA, which means a week or two from now, if he yeah. puts together a couple good uh, AAA outings, he could be a reliever option either as a long man or a secondary right. setup man. They really like him a lot. I mean, I, he was acquired from Texas well, in the uh, Mitch Garver trade. Yeah, right. He made a, he, a handful of appearances last September and I thought looked pretty yeah. good. Uh, he's a converted starter, so if you look at his minor league numbers, they're not amazing because he was a starter, which is not a role he's great for i think but you know mid 90s fastball good slider change up is kind of a work in progress but it's unclear if he really will need that as a reliever i think he definitely has a chance to be a, a functional long man for them at some point this season but i think has the upside to you know it wouldn't surprise me a year from now if he's just working the seventh inning a lot of the time for them yep. uh, and then last but not and least there were some concerns about him and spring training too he was like you said he had that yeah, he was it, shut down yeah. with uh, almost immediately with right. elbow. I yeah, think. I thought it was elbow. Shoulder. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, Austin Martin, who, speaking of being shut down in spring training, basically hasn't done with an elbow. Uh, <laughs> yep. UCL. Yeah. Not UCLA. UCL <laughs> uh, injury. I was told that status quo with him. No surgery, but not out of the woods yet, and basically rest and rehab and hopefully getting somewhat close to baseball activities in terms of, uh, you know, at least having a timeline for a rehab assignment. But I would not expect him to, uh, you know, be an option for the Twins in the first half of the season. Okay. He's going to need to – I mean, first of all, he's never played a AAA. Right. But, uh, <laughs> so good news in the sense that he hasn't had Tommy John surgery. Bad news in the sense that we're now two months out from the initial injury and he's not playing in games. Yeah. Games that matter yet. You know, extended spring training can sometimes be different. But. Position players often come back. Earlier from Tommy John surgery than you know pitchers do, so the, you know yeah, not, not necessarily not uh, uh, it's tough if you're playing shortstop or third. I would I would think so, but first base uh, sure. That, <laughs> like your guy Bryce Harper came back in like a week and a half from right. Tommy John surgery because yeah. he doesn't have to throw. But. I mean my my point is sort of like you know, Tyler Malley if things if he waits three months to right. be f- before undergoing this stuff and now he's pretty much lost all of next year by doing that. We might still be within sort of the time frame with Martin where if he ends up going at it, maybe a nine to nine ten month thing for a position player and he can still you know right. play next year. He can year. get a big right. chunk of next right. year at least. Right. He can save that. Yeah, there's not as much let's do the decision today. Let's do right. the surgery today so you can be ready for yeah. X date with a position player yeah. for sure. Right. Um let's see there was one other where are we at? We're like deep into this. I don't know. We're pretty far Yeah, we talked for like yeah, 20 minutes right. before yep. you hit record. I, yep, think. Yep, yep. Uh, I had one. I was curious to get your thoughts on this. So I was talking to old Deli about the hater game, uh-huh. the middle game of the series. Right. And we mentioned this from there. They got to a point where they started pinch hitting <laughs> and they got to a spot where the game was tied in late innings. And the only guy available on the bench was the backup catcher, Ryan Jeffers, against Josh Hader, who's one of the best relievers of the last decade, basically. But a lefty. But a lefty, right. And he's just death on lefties. Dan looked up. He struck out, I think, 47% of his career at bats against lefties or played appearances against lefties have been a strikeout. You desperately do not want to send lefties up there. Meanwhile, the Twins sent Gordon 
And then who? <laughs> Kirloff? I forget who the other one was. Donnie uh, Barrows had the the double. Right, yes. Uh that saved their ass basically right. and tied it. That's right. So I asked Baldell. So they had Ryan Jeffers on the bench as the literally the last guy on the bench. And the defense was already going to be wonky as hell. Right. Because you had pinch hit for multiple guys. They were going to have to probably play if they had brought in Jeffers to pinch hit as a righty against Hader, which you would want to do under normal circumstances. Correct. Instead of like, let's say, Gordon. Right. What would have then happened if they hadn't won the game? They were in a position to walk it off. Right. But if they hadn't walked it off, then the next half inning was going to have to be one of the catchers, probably Vasquez, playing first base. You were going to have to play Willie Castro probably in center. You were going to have to play Donovan Solano at third, most likely. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and then the outfield, I forget what the rest of it. But it, it was going to be, you know, uh, split squad spring training right. look to it. So what I asked Bald, and he didn't do that. He left Jeffers on the bench. Right. Um, it worked out fine for them. But he left Jeffers on the bench. And what I asked afterward was how much did the defense, like the notion of p- bringing in Jeffers yes. is clearly let's try to win this thing now. Right. Which I get that. But you're handicapping yourself so much now in right. future innings. So how do you weigh that? And yeah. so here's what Baldelli said, and I thought it was – interesting way to think about it but as i think about it more i'm not sure if i agree and i'm curious what your like initial reaction is to it he said if we would have been behind by a run i definitely would have pinch hit jeffers because at that point you're in danger of none nothing else mattering sure and so if you don't come through with a hit there you just lose the game and who cares what the defensive lineman is but because it was tie he said, I was very tempted to bring in Jeffers and try to win it right there. Right. Which he generally gets pretty aggressive in terms of pinch running or defensive replacements or pinch hitting kind of a let's live for today and worry about tomorrow later. Right. I would say he's become more and more aggressive in that regard yeah. over the years. But what he said is because it was tied, I thought we have enough margin for error here that we can live to, to you know, we yeah. can play on. Worst case scenario is we're – in going into next inning with a you know a decent defensive alignment, similar defensive alignment to what I have right now, right. and now I don't have to face Hater. Yes, <laughs> which is not a, not a bad situation. If Hater right. does stay out there, you can right. turn to Jeffers in that scenario right. if you'd yeah. like, right. or you know you can assess the situation based on if they scored it in their half of the inning and yep. all that. And so in the moment, I was like, well, to me, when because. I guess probably I viewed their likely defensive alignment, even without using Jeffers, as worse than Baldelli did. Like, I was pretty worried about having to play an inning, especially they were not going to be using their best relievers at that point. I would have been in a spot where I worried about pretty much every ball in play. Maybe Baldelli was less... uh, Especially when you've got starting with a runner on second base. Like, you're already need to play such good de- – so much – those little fielding mistakes mean so much right? in, and in that situation to kneecap yourself amongst three different positions yes. at that point. But I wonder if that's almost more of an argument for doing whatever you possibly can to end it. Whereas I would – I think use Jeffers there. First of all, I had no faith in Gordon getting a hit, but he did get a hit. Right. Yeah, right. So I was wrong about right. that. Yeah, right. Um, but my thing is, like, I viewed the defense at that point as, like, a D-minus defense. Right. So who cares if it goes to an F defense? Do you know what I mean? Like, is What was the defense without all these moves going on? 
I mean, you were st- the only thing that wouldn't have changed was center because Gordon could keep playing center. Oh, but okay. you had Willie Castro at third. You were going to have to play Solano at first. You were going to have to. Yeah, but that's not that's a lot different than playing Solano at third and Christian Vasquez yes. at first. And but I mean, you're right. I, that's not great defense. Yes. Oh, that's a great. Point. I agree. I, you raise a good point. But that's, what is the like realistically? Now Nick Gordon got a hit, so right. You're going to convince yourself now that it's right, like a. Right. But realistically, Nick Gordon versus Josh Hader has to be like a. Maybe 125 expected batting average, oh, something like that, not right? Even that. Now, <laughs> Ryan Jeffers against Josh Hader is probably only like a yeah, 200 right. expected yeah, batting right, average, yeah. right? That's almost twice as much. Right. <laughs> probably, and it right, ends yeah, the game right. if he gets a hit. Right. I mean, it doesn't end, but it puts them in a very good position to end the game. Right. So, I don't know. I really wavered. Like, as he was explaining this to me, and I, I, I like that he really talked it through and you could see like how he was thinking about it and i've changed my stance on this like three times since he said this i i in the moment i was like i 100 would have used jeffers then he explained the tie versus losing thought process that he had and i said okay that makes some sense it's similar to using your closer yeah in a tie game versus saving them for a save situation there's a margin for error at least that you can do all that stuff but then i kind of came around to saying well, I already think the defense was an absolute mess, so who cares if it gets even a little bit messier? Don't I want to just do whatever I can? I want to empty every bullet I can to try to end the game right then and there. So what what is your... I th- my initial take is I agree with Rocco that that it's a lot more important to do that if you're down by a run versus right. even, right? That's so logical instance, to me, yeah. That, that uh, in the same way that... <laughs> In the same way that you know, it's a much higher leverage situation for a pitcher to be in up by one run versus um, you know versus a tie or versus a, a low versus up down by a run. Um, the opposite is true for hitters, right? So if you're down by one run, that's a higher leverage situation for the hit, for the batter, right? So my baseline is that is absolutely true, and I just <laughs> think the extreme nature of Hater himself. And Gordon well, least, and yeah, the defense, yeah, skews I mean, that, like the normal percentages. I, I am with you. I mean, Hater's also just like you said. Hater's also so good just against Jeffers. Yeah. You know, you That's are not exactly a great matchup for the Twins, yeah. right? I mean, you're not. You know, I, listen, I don't like Gordon in that situation. You, you know, you're maybe doubling your odds in terms of your ability right. to get a hit, but you're doubling. But, them. You, but you're also now there's a eighty percent chance that you're going out with that piece of crap defensive <laughs> right. play that you're right, as opposed to a one in five piece. So yeah, I would say. I guess I would agree because basically what I would say is uh, desperate times require desperate measures, and that is a desperate measure that you save for a desperate time. And that desperate time right. is when you're down by a run versus even. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's fair. Where, that's where I would I go. also think that there's a little bit of value in keeping one guy on the bench in case yeah. somebody gets hurt right. or in case yeah. whatever happens right. now yes. at that point. It's so late in the game. But I guess it's the same sort of the same type of logic – that we've talked about before, and I think we're, we're both on board with it, is like I would much rather use my closer in, let's say, the 10th inning of a tie game. Right. And then if we – let's say on the road even. Right. And if you take the lead, then yes, you do need to use a lesser reliever to get the save. Right. But he now has some margin for error. Right. He can give up a, a run or two or three. Right. And you can still potentially win the game. I guess that's the hitting version of that, which right. is that's you right. still have that's enough right. margin for her that you don't have to push every possible button and unload the clip, right. basically. But yeah. this is, by the way, I'm sure like I might be the only person who cares about this, but 
Like, I think Baldelli was even like, why? Who cares? Uh, <laughs> but this is the type of sh- stuff, who I almost swore too, that you think after 20 years of doing this, we've talked about every possible strategic right. roster, right. you know, st- statistical whatever <laughs> something like this comes up it's like uh every homestand uh, or every week there's one thing where you're like oh that's interesting like you could have done this but right. then it would have meant that and then i bet the other team would have done this and it's like yeah have we seen versions of this for sure but that's I, why we that's why we like to talk about the stuff for an hour and a half every week yeah, <laughs> right, right, sometimes every, more yeah right. uh, okay every other day that's enough <laughs> So you agree with Baldelli? I think I do. Yeah, such a homer. Yeah, this one. yeah that's why I like to suck up to the manager. If you disagreed, I was going to say, <laughs> "Will you stop at nothing from criticizing Rocco Baldelli?" Okay. Uh, thank you to. Let's read through these. Native. Yes. My bookie. Better help. Hello, Hello fresh, fresh and soda, soda stick. stick. Right. Uh, we will be back bright and early Monday morning. Right. But only. For the Patreon subscribers. That is correct. Which, We'd love to have you join us. Of which you can become one. Right. By, if you love the show, it's the best way to support us. And you get extra shows commercial free, yes. by the way. Those Absolutely shows. Absolutely commercial free. Uh, we'll recap the entire Cubs series and right. any further news that comes yep. uh, over these next three games. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. We would love to have you join us. Uh, until then, keep your confidence high and your... Low. Expectations low. Yeah. Okay. We got <laughs> keep your confidence high and your ex- that's, maybe that's our new catchphrase. Bye. Bye. Bye.